What's the Worry is a new podcast that is sharing first-hand accounts of the lockdown measures taken by different nations around the world. This week, we have seen accounts from China, India, Costa Rica, Spain and Vietnam. As the situation intensifies here in Italy and at home in the UK, we will be looking at how people are dealing with the self-isolation and sharing in some positive commentary. My name is Ryan Paul Stevenson, reporting from the bunkers in northern Italy. And today I'm joined by Declan Sheridan, who lives near Blackpool in the northwest of England. Hello, Declan. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. I've got you on the podcast today to discuss the impact of the coronavirus um, on the sports industry, what it has, how it has impacted it and how it will impact it moving forward once we've hopefully recovered from the situation with the coronavirus. Now, I want to start with football because obviously football's a massive sport in the UK and elsewhere in Europe. Now, when we think about what's happened with the coronavirus and the halt that it has done to the fixtures, naturally attention turns to Liverpool and their title challenge, um, the Champions League spots, Champions League in, in general, European competition. Um, and essentially the tension's really much on the Premier League. However, there's a more concerning issue here, and that's when you start to look at the lower league teams and certainly the non-league teams. Um, so what problems have we currently got in non-league football and lower league football, which has been exacerbated by the coronavirus? We've, we're in a strange situation. There is no professional and amateur sport being played in the UK at the moment. So we've lost the Premier League. So there is no games for Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, etc. But in addition to the Premier League being cancelled, we've also suspended the Football League. So that's the Championship Leagues 1 and 2. And then below that is what we call the non-league pyramid. So that's what I'm interested in. I support AFC filed in the National League. Um we are a professional team, although some of the teams we play against are, sem- are semi-professional. Um, some are part-time as well. Um, so the, the National League suspended itself just this Tuesday, or last Tuesday, sorry. Um, and we, we actually played on the Saturday before the actual... Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. We played after, right. after the actual football league shut yeah. down and of course with the so, with the cancel with the cancellations yeah, of of the games um the big impact of course is the fact that they haven't had uh, the spectators come and purchase the tickets at the gates um and ultimately no revenue coming in how big is ticket gate uh, the tickets at the gates how big is that for the overall revenue of a football club especially in non league All the money in the English game really sits in the Premier League. So they are bankrolled by massive television deals, which are with Sky and BT Sport. Um, so all, all the success around the Premiership and its global brand is funded by television revenue. 
as you go further down the football pyramid, certainly through through the football league and then into non-league, the money dr- drops off. So quite often the only revenue that is coming into clubs is the gate yeah. money. So fans turning up on a Saturday and buying a ticket to get in and then spending money in the food concessions, so buying hot food, so buying, buying your steak, steak and kidney pie and all the traditional English football fare. Um, so they, they are really now struggling, struggling for income. Um, I've seen in the news this week that Barnet FC, who are mid-table and the former football yep. league club um, in the National League, are, have given notice to all their non-playing staff. Um, that includes right. their manager. Um, and I think what we will see is more and more clubs hemorrhaging money because their commitments so gra- costs of operating ground without crowds in. Um, players' wages still have to be pay- paid. And ultimately, with no money is coming in, these clubs are, are going to trip over. There's already um, considerable issues with the finances of English football clubs generally. We lost Ferry FC at the start of this season um, through mismanagement and from running out of money. We know that there are other clubs who are heading in that direction. Bolton Wanderers, who are a good old traditional British football team, one of the founding yeah. members of the Football League, nearly went, nearly went out of business. Um, but we're fortunately rescued at the last moment. And there's a good six or seven clubs in very perilous financial state where they're either not paying players or they end up running up large um, VAT bills and owe money to H- HMRC. I know Macclesfield, who are in the in League Two, so that's the bottom, bottom full-time league, um, have not been playing players and uh, call yeah. games off or had to field and, junior sides. So yeah, it's really I mean, t- the, If you take it away from football uh, a minute, the sort of the support that the government's given to businesses and obviously anyone that's been laid off and covering 80% of their, uh, their wages, that obviously hasn't transferred to football, has it? Well, no, it's unclear what the position is. And... Um, I'm going to give credit, actually, to the government. I am not a big fan of the Conservative Party, to be perfectly honest. And But I have to say, Boris Johnson, all credit to him, has actually set, set has actually stood up and has been counted and has put a lot of economic help in for businesses. Now, I was looking at um, the non-league newspaper, which is basically the, the um, Gazette for all... It's the non-league Bible, and it's probably the best place where you will see coverage of non-league football. Michael Tatslow, who is the chief exec of the National League, is quoted as saying, the priority here is is employees. And we, we really have to understand that wages will need to be played and clubs potentially will have to apply for government assistance to pay wages. Um, I mean, is there a duty on, do you think there's a duty on the Premier League teams maybe to come together and to put in place a support package for lower league teams and non-league teams simply because this could have a massive effect on um, English football? Uh, and as we know, English football has, has a, a great social impact 
to people's lives. Um, a lot of people have the culture of going to games at weekends, supporting their local team. It comes to discussing it with friends. Um, if we start to see clubs disappear because of um, of this, then, and if we can foresee that, then surely do you think that the Premier League have a duty to potentially interfere, intervene before it gets to that stage? Traditionally, the English or the British football model has been based on city city based clubs. On my hometown is Bristol. I'm a Bristol Rovers fan, um, and I've always been. My view on football is that you should support, yeah. support your local side uh, and get behind it. If I remember rightly, you're also a Lincoln City yeah, fan as well right. as being yeah. an Arsenal fan. If, if I remember, uh, so you appreciate the clubs like. Wild clubs, clubs like Rovers, yeah. like Lincoln, are very yeah. much community clubs. And when Bet, when Berry went under, there was massive outcry from the community. Part of the problem there, though, is that the community don't necessarily support the local clubs. The community will support, particularly around the Manchester area. City, City and United yeah. are massive draws, and millennials and young will to go for the big brands so is it in the big brands interest the big clubs interest to actually save these local clubs well yeah it should be because ultimately that's where their playing staff should come yeah. from um i accept it i'm in a globalized market now and people will source source overseas players and to be honest there's been some massive players. If you think about Arsenal, we had Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, uh, Mark yeah. Overmars come in and undoubtedly City, that's uh, Manchester City, have benefited from having the likes of Gabriel Jesus Zeus play for them, Kevin De Bruyne. So, yes, there is, uh, going back to the question, yes, I think there is a moral responsibility on the Premier League clubs, but you have to remember that also with the Premier League clubs, all the money is in the top six. So if you think about the teams we've got in the yeah. bottom half of the table there, so you, so your Southamptons, your Aston Villas, um, Burnley are probably mid-table, yeah. and probably Burnley, Burnley are probably not the right club to identify here because they're well run, and I think Sean Dyche has done a phenomenal job on the resources he's got. But ultimately, the lower lower end of the Premiership clubs are struggling yeah. as well. So, I think the FA needs really to decide, and I think the English football-watching public need to decide, what do they yeah. actually want? There was a quote I read in The Guardian, which said, basically, is this now the death of the, of the 72 clubs which sit below the Premiership and the Championship? Do, realistically, people want to watch the likes of them? It pains me to say this, having grown up as a Bristol Rovers fan or a Gasset fan, for like <laughs> 50, 50, 51 yeah. years, do people watch that sort of football, or do do we give it up, let, let those clubs die, and just go to either either a franchising model where you have big clubs, or do you still want to retain the community? To me, it's got to be about community, and ultimately, if the cash cow is the Premier League, the Premier League needs to share those those resources. 100%. I mean, the, the impact, uh, you mentioned Berry there. Um, 
the impact that it has on the local communities when a fo- local football team does go uh, go under is massive. I mean, it it goes through family tradition, doesn't it? Going to your local football team at the weekend, um, talking about your local side, getting behind the team. And if we see more and more teams drop into that that zone, um, which could and we can foresee it happening, then certainly there's there's calls for for us to do something very quickly um, to to prevent that. Now I liked there how you mentioned uh, the lights of Thierry on Remark over Mars, um, and we've all been missing missing football recently. And me as obviously being an Arsenal fan, one way that I've come over this uh, non football period is by watching old YouTube videos of, of the great Arsenal teams of the past. I've uh, been reminiscing in uh, Freddie Youngberg's goal against Chelsea in the FA Cup and uh, a good win for us in Anfield in 2002. Um, what then do we think is is going to happen to the, the fixtures? Now, there's talks that um, the, F, the, the FA want to finish all the fixtures. Um, now we haven't got the Europa, the European Championships in the summer, there's certainly the the chance there that that we can fit in all the fixtures. Um, what do you think is the the likely recourse? And obviously, it just does depend on how how the spread of the coronavirus does affect us and how long um, it goes on for that, which remains uncertain. But what what do you foresee in terms of the the finishing of the football seasons? To be fair, I think the number, the number one priority here is people's health, really, and to some extent what actually does happen with the Football League and the Premier League, etc., is, I wouldn't say the problem this way would be to not avoid the season and start again in September. I appreciate there's a whole lot of Liverpool fans who are going to be devastated with that. Yeah. Um, if I'd waited for 30-odd-plus years to, to win the Premier League, I probably would be outraged at it, yeah. but are we going to get these games finished? Is it right to get these games yeah. finished? Um, you've got the argument, then what happens, or if they then go down the route of saying, right, we'll, we'll let the results stand now, then you've got the issues of promotion and relegation yeah, to, to consider. Um, is it right that Leeds um, and West Brom get promoted to the Premiership and I'm trying to think who's who's currently bottom Villa and Norwich down there, aren't they? Well, I heard an interesting thing that um, potentially, because obviously getting promoted to the Premier League is massive financially for for clubs, and especially like Leeds, who have been knocking on the door for many seasons now, that potentially next year they could have 22 teams in the league. So no one gets relegated. Leeds and West Brom get promoted. um, And then everywhere else sits as it currently sits. Um, what do you think to think about that? Well, then, what the issue with that is? Then, what do you do with the teams that are set, sat in the playoff zones? If you look at maybe League One, you've got down there, you've got Sunderland who are knocking on the door of the playoffs, Portsmouth. Um, try to think who else is down there. But even if you go back to the championships, you've got clubs like Preston North End mm. who are sat there. Much as it pains me to say it, Bristol City are there. Yeah. Um, knock, knocking on those stumps. Well, you're potentially costing if you look at the championship, and they reckon probably that game, the championship playoff, is probably worth is it fifty million or something like that with the television money yeah, yeah. stuff. The only way that's going to get resolved is through the courts. And d- does football want to do that? Yeah. So, just to me, it seems fair and reasonable to say, look, let's null and void it. Let's start again in September. 
And that just seems the fairest way of doing it. I sort of kind of joked on Facebook mm-hmm. that they could actually decide to side games by playing paper, scissors, <laughs> scissors, stone over Skype. But I think whichever, you either make the decision that you try and get those games played. Yeah. Problem is, when you get those games played, you might be doing it in June and July. Where you're going to have players who are out of contract. Yeah, I mean the contract and, date on and the players then, is the 30th of June, I think. Um, yeah, the 30th of June, the players' contracts finish. So anyone that's on their last year of their contract, their contracts up until the 30th of June. So what happens to those players if the season is extended? Yeah, it it just it just whatever they're going to do, there's going to be issues with it, and there will be criticism for it. I just think start again. Right. Um, I'm a little bit selfish about that because that probably would mean AFC Fowler are currently second bottom in the National League, right. and if they started again, we <laughs> we wouldn't be relegated to National League North. I'm a little bit biased from that point of view. Okay. Um, but but equally. Whatever solution comes to is going to be unfair to somebody. Definitely. Um, and it's, I suppose an ideal situation would be that we do recover from the coronavirus sooner rather than later. And there is a chance in the summer, i.e. May, June, July, to cram in some of the games. And Gary Neville made an interesting suggestion that now that the, the European Championship have been uh, cancelled for the summer, why don't we have a like a two, three-week period of football, a football for frenzy. Everyone gets behind it. It's the nice, hopefully hot summer in the UK, and we were just watching football every day. Teams play literally every day to get the pictures done. There's a little weekend competition of the FA Cup. What, what do you sort of think to that suggestion? Yeah, yeah. It's It sounds great in principle, but then you're taking money away from the summer sports. Mm. So rugby league in in England uh, and Europe played over the summer you've got cricket with summer people would then concentrate on the football and the rugby league clubs the the cricket counties the test matches won't get people through the door so you're going to impact that onto other sports then you've got athletics you've got the Olympics coming up as well there is is only so much money to go around from a supporter's point of view So you risk damaging other sports for the sake of football. And that, again, doesn't really feel fair. Very interesting point, that, And it just goes to show um, how different sports actually do have a direct influence on each other. I know certainly um, in the boxing the boxing game, um, Anthony Joshua has his big fight at the Tottenham Stadium, doesn't he? So if the season is yep. extended, what happens to his big fight in Tottenham? Does that get postponed or put elsewhere? Um, and this this isn't just limited to football. The things we discussed is easily transferable, as you mentioned, that rugby, uh, boxing as well, some big fights uh, being postponed. And let's put ourselves in the shoes of a sports, like a professional sportsman now. I mean, I'm quite a, quite a big runner. I run at a decent level, and this has had a massive effect on my training. I mean, and I'm nowhere near the levels of professional athletes, and this is their, their life, their livelihood, their their work, it must it must be very a very strange situation for them, demoralising. I mean, I know Juventus have um, given all their play. Sorry, not Juventus, Inter Milan. Obviously, with the the virus here in Italy being very very uh, very big, I, I heard that Maldini's got the virus two days ago. Dybala from right. Juventus, um, Inter Milan have given all their the players like bikes and treadmills to put in their house, but 
it must be a very sort of difficult situation um finding a motivation to train during this period yeah uh to be honest i think take it down a level i mean i took up running um probably must be about 14 15 months i hit the big 5-0 last october Mm. um and i'm a type 2 diabetic um if you remember when we used to work together, I used to be a bit of a big lad. Okay, I've lost lost a bit of weight now because on the back of of running. Yeah. But in the last twelve months, I mean, I went from I started just wand- wandering around the street streets of Kirkham on a on a nighttime trying to run, and gradually coached coached myself in to be able to run five k nonstop. Um, I then got heavily involved. Well, I then did my first part run, and I'm assuming do part run. I think they operate in Italy, yeah, don't I mean, they? It's but in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, it start, started in the UK. It's now a global mm. organisation. And I did my first one in Southport, which is just um, down the coast from, uh, from us. And I kind of got hooked. And that's been my feature of my my Saturday mornings now for the best, best part of the year. I'm either running it or I'm marshalling it. Mm. And... Um, I did my first 10k actually nearly well a year year to May we, we have a massive fundraiser for our local hospice which is Trinity Hospice in Blackpool um, and their main, one of their main funders is the Beaver Brooks 10k which is running run in May and that was my first 10k and kind of I got really hooked with it from, from then Fantastic. on Um and it, yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, there's nothing better than doing it and then getting a medal at the yeah. end. Okay, you might get a, get a rubbish T-shirt at the end as well, but it's such a big feeling. Now, I had a little layoff towards the end of last year because I ended up with a heel injury. So I was frustrated for the, for not being able to run then. But then now I've got back into it in January and we did uh, did my first 10K this year a couple of weeks ago. Um, did a reasonably respectable time trying to break the hour. Um, I think that's kind of what everybody tries to do. Yeah. Um, I kind of did an hour and five minutes the first one out this season, and I was loving it. And I had five other ten k's booked in, ready to go all the way up to to May. They've now all been cancelled. Yeah, and it's kind of really frustrating. It's like I want to get that hour. I want to get under the hour. I want to put the effort in. I want to train for that. Exactly. But they've all just—they've all just gone now. Yeah. And it—it's kind of like, oh shit, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, I'll apologise for the apologise for the language now, and it's—it's it's keeping that motivation. Okay, I'm not to. Pe- that's what I'm doing for fun, and I'm doing it to control my diabetes and to maintain my weight. But if you're actually having to do that for a living, so you're a professional footballer. You're a professional rugby player, mm. athlete, etc. You need to be performing at the highest level all the time to to earn your money, and you just can't do it. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating. I'm so frustrated because I can't go out with my little community running running group, Blackpool Feed and Runners, um, because Eng- England Athletics have cancelled all club club events and meetings. Training, it, um, the frustration must be there, and it, yeah. the frustrations there at my level of being able to try and run a ten k at under an hour, it must be magnified. Mm-hmm. You, you, you. I say, you look at athletics. You, you try to think who, 
who, who who's the big big superstar stars now? The the marathon guy who just did two hours. What's it? His yeah, name I, escapes me at the moment. Kipchoge. Yeah. Uh, he must be as frustrated as anything because, yeah. like, he's, he's done such a superhuman thing to run the marathon under two hours. He's he's in an Olympic year. Potential to be top of the world. I know he's top of the world anyway, but to 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 be an Olympic champion, yeah, that must be. He must be as frustrated as anything. Yeah, um, I was kind of thinking, well, do I buy a treadmill and put it put it in my garage and try and try and, try and keep the tra- training going? Fortunately, at the moment, the UK aren't on total lockdown, so I'm able to go out running. And we did a virtual park run on Saturday. Yeah, but. Well, uh, frustration of not being able to do the activity is is immense. Definitely, and um, I actually message a lot of my running friends back in the UK. I'm obviously stuck here in northern Italy, and uh, as of yesterday, the Italians have banned any sort of recreational activity outside the 300 meters radius of your home. So, apart from doing 300 meter reps up and down my street, that's about <laughs> as limited as as I am. So. I've, and I can, this is obviously Italy's two weeks two weeks ahead of the UK, so it's definitely yeah. foreseeable but that these measures will be put in place in the UK. So anyone listening that's into exercise or wants to exercise during the self-isolation period, use this chance now to get any uh, resistance bands, any treadmills or whatever you want to use in your house because you don't know how long this is going to last. And um, Certainly, there, Declan, you mentioned the the impact on uh, on uh, professional athletes and with the Olympics as well. Uh, I mean, coming peaking for this summer right now, all of those Olympians ready for for their moment of glory suddenly potentially taken away from them, and um, it must be a very difficult situation. But hey, we're all in this together, and there's a lot more hardship on people that have lost their jobs uh, and suffering financially. So. Obviously, we have to put that into perspective, but we're talking about sport in this podcast, and that and that's the way we've gone down. Um, thank- yeah, I must admit, before we go off on that, my heart goes out for people who've work, been working in, like the NHS and jobs, whether on zero hours contracts. Okay, the NHS is working at full capacity, and fair play to them. But if you guys who are on zero contracts, so your basic cleaning jobs, you're working in cinemas, et cetera, they've lost their livelihood. Yeah. Um, it's just frightening a, a disease, a virus yeah. can do this. Definitely. This is a modern world. This is a modern world. Okay, uh, let's move away from, from sport. And with every guest that I have on, I, I ask for a song request at the end. And I know you from from working with you a few years ago now Declan of course you're a big the jam fan and I share that passion for Paul Paul Weller and and the jam um and interestingly enough I've been listening a lot to some of their their albums recently because I I in some of the lyrics it's very it applies very much to the situation I know that uh obviously anyone that aren't aware of of the jam the band so, uh, I'm sorry for you because they're a fantastic band and also um, they're, they're a, uh, a punk band sort of uh, mod, weren't they? Mod band in the 1970s, yeah, yeah. early 80s. And a lot of the lyrics really much focus on the troubles that they were having then. So it was over the time of Thatcher and um, the, the lots of the media. I think uh, Gwella had a lot of hatred towards the media and a lot of his songs are in reaction to that. So 
I've got a lot from the, the songs putting it in this situation. It just goes to show, doesn't it? Um, songs do stand the test of time and can be applied and adapted to different situations. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of the jam um, growing up. <laughs> Growing up in the 80s when you had the Thatcher government, I don't want to get political because it's no. about politics. Health is more important than politics, but there was a real movement at the time with the jam. Well, uh, launched Wed, Red Wedge, which isn't easy to do, which kind of got me into politics and got a lot, lot, lot of lads and kids my generation being really focused on on some of the injustices which were going on. Um Say so I don't want I don't want to get into politics. The other the other main um, musical hero really is around Billy Bragg, who again wrote some of the, some of the very extremely political songs yeah. of the eight eighties, um, and, and along which then ultimately then leads to bands like Oasis, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, there is something just special about the jam and. Okay, Weller left the jam, formed the Style Council, and then went on to his solo career. Yeah. But I don't know whether you're aware of From the Jam, which is Bruce yeah. Foxton. I've seen, um, him, I've seen him in uh, the Cabin Club in Liverpool and also Gorilla in Manchester and really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Oh, I mean, it, it's superb. I mean, Foxton's bass is so so powerful it just drives the music and Russell Hastings actually think some extent does a better job on the vocals than weather at times <laughs> yeah I mean yeah a fantastic band and as we say very um, applicable now if you sort of like going into the lyrics of songs and I could name a good few songs that apply directly now I mean Away From The Numbers was a 1977 hit um, yep. Where Well is talking about getting away from the crowd, i.e. the people in the in the cities and stuff, um, and you can apply that now, of course, because we have to stay away from each other, no crowds, and also yep. get away from the numbers, as in the figures that we're seeing. Obviously, the the horrific figures, particularly here in Italy, and just set you back when you hear the hundreds of people that die each day because of the coronavirus. But sometimes it's good to be aware of it, but sort of let's not focus too much on the figures. Let's get away from the numbers a bit and just try and get over yeah. the situation collectively. So um, it, it, it's nice, I think, when you can listen to a song and, and make it applicable to your own individual personal situation yeah. or what's happening in wider society. And the jam songs really do uh, have stood the test of time in that respect. They are, yeah, they're a qu- quintessentially British band. I mean, it's like The Who, again, another mod band. Their songs just stand up and yeah. they, they inspire so many people. And I would I would implore somebody if you want to find out about British subculture and, and the impact of music, listen to the jam. Um, you you will not hear a bad song. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and they formed the foundation for a lot of the stuff that happened with Britpop going going yeah. forward into the nineties. Definitely. I mean, you you see. Uh... And Noel Gallagher's a big fan of Paul Weller, isn't he? Brings him along to some of his gigs. Uh, just goes to show the influence that, that Paul Weller and the Jam have had on like, the lights of Oasis. Um, so then, Declan, um, we had a bit of chat there about the Jam. What song have you chosen or w- which would you like to put on for our audience? Um, I know we talked about Get Away From The Numbers and to be honest, some of the behaviour we've seen in the UK this weekend has been appalling. 
Um, mm. It's mothering Sunday, but the, the coastal results, the Blackpool um, particularly, and some of the stuff over on the East Coast, um, sort of Scarborough and places that have been inundated with people. So I think we really need to send that message home. So we will go with, get, get away from the numbers. Okay, away from the numbers by the jam. Thanks, Declan, for your time today. And thanks to my listeners again. Here we're off with the jam. Is it getting just to cause for me? And I see people as I me. Gonna break away and gain control. You free our mind, you free our soul I was a typhoon, not title me This disease, we took care of our tempers Sit and drink beer So where is really that
videos that you've been creating. It's a little creative things like that um, that go along the way to, to get into that next big thing. And of course, um, like with many industries currently, um, the acting and the theatre world has been massively hit by the by the virus with lots of things being cancelled. What's your outlook on the situation for the, the theatre and acting industry? Yeah, I mean, like you said, everything is being cancelled. Um, there isn't any, any productions, any auditions, uh, at least that I know of. And one of the big things for actors in the UK is a platform called Spotlight. Um, so Spotlight is a platform where production companies post their productions on Spotlight. Um, and that's where actors find out about productions and find out who needs to be cast, what kind of people they're looking for. Um, agents also use Spotlight as a way of finding the jobs for the actors. And uh, they've emailed us Spotlight as, and just to say there's nothing. Mm. Like we're for the next three months, it is, it's, it's closed. Like we're not, we're not taking, uh, we're not doing any auditions at the moment because of the current climate. So uh, in in my personal view, it almost seems like acting, at least film and television and, and theatre, like conventional acting in that sense, is uh, in, a, in a way closed. What is still open is voiceovers. Um, you know, there's quite a big, big demand for for actors to be recording audio. And um, there's a lot of people that are creating content these days that maybe don't think that they want their voice on it. So they'll still use voice of actors. So there's still, there's still that going, which is, which is good. And, you know, I think it also gives, gives actors a chance to contact casting directors because that's one of the biggest things uh, to be, to be known, you know, to be known in, in the circles. So to be able to contact casting directors, maybe speak to agents, it's a good time for that. Um, and to reach out to people because they've also got a lot more time. Um, normally, people never respond to you because they're busy with like a million uh, things that they're doing. They've got productions, they've got other actors to talk to, they've got directors, um, and they've just got like, they'll never respond to, an, to just an actor wanting to speak to them. Whereas now, they're all sitting yeah. at home, and they will reply. I I've had... I sent maybe I sent last month. I must have sent about sixty emails to different casting directors in London, just to like uh, introduction of myself, like what I've been in, uh, things to my show reel, my headshots, and no one replied. And since since um, coronavirus has put everyone in their homes, uh, I've had like five responses already just to say like thanks for the material had a chance to look over it we'll keep you in mind for any future projects and stuff like that so yeah I think I think there is there's proactive um, steps that you can take as an actor during this time obviously um, the money side of things is, is pretty yeah. tricky uh, and you know you've always got to look look at different avenues to to go down like as as uh, as an actor here in London, I, I had a, a a side job of of selling flowers, like in the streets. I was the salesman of, of flower box delivery services, um, and you know, no, I'm not going to go in the streets. No one's in the streets. I can't go to the streets. <laughs> so sell so that. So 
um, you know, now I'm looking at diff- different platforms. Like, mate, I, I, I've started my, my TEFL course to start uh, to start being able to teach online because I taught in Italy yeah. for a while um, without the TEFL, but but I'm not I'm not qualified to teach online unless I get the TEFL. So currently doing the TEFL right now to to get a bit of teaching there we online. Go. Sound advice to any aspiring actor or actress uh, listening in. Uh, and generally as well, as we said, it's a time to get creative, think outside the box, um, do things that you weren't necessarily doing in the past to try and make that next step. Because at the end of the day, we will get through this and outside the other end, we'll be going back back to business as usual. And maybe it's a time to have a good think um, as to your career path. And maybe this is a, a turning stone for you, potentially. Let's move on now to look at some of the more the, the funny news stories. I mean, there's a lot of negative news naturally in, in this time, so sometimes it's good to look at some of the more comical headlines. And I'm just going to read these out, Joel, and uh, see see what you you think. You've probably seen them, but uh, in the first one, we we're here in Italy where a vicar sets himself on fire during the first online coronavirus church service. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently he was uh, doing a an online church service um, and, you know, they wear that those what, big white, I don't know what they call them, probably capes or, or something. And um, unfortunately, just brushed, brushed the candle there and uh, set himself alight and obviously didn't realize until it started getting a bit hot. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But another big thing that's, that's changed is, of course, the, the church culture. People aren't able to go to church on Sunday. And for a lot of people, that's a massive thing for their weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. big time. I know. Um, I know. Back in back in South Africa, my grandma. I called her the other day, actually, and she she was saying she's not going to church at the moment. I was very just a just a quick quick side note as well because my my grandma was in Germany in the Second mm. World War, and I. Uh, and I said, I said to my grandma, like, how, how are you finding this compared to when you were, when you were in Germany during the Second World War? And she was saying that, uh, like, at least she got to go outside, <laughs> like, during the, during the Second World War. Well, I think, I think she's just being a bit dramatic. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll take uh, being sat at home in front of the telly over being in the trenches, wouldn't you? Hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. um, percent. Okay, uh, moving on to the second news story. And uh, this one I can relate to a bit. So lots of people, uh, particularly men, are looking at just shaving their hair during this period. Obviously not being Ooh. being out in the public or at work. It's a good chance to see what you look like with a bald head. Fancy it, Joel? Yeah, 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 definitely. That was, I mean, I was thinking of some kind of, some kind of haircut, my, yeah. doing it myself. And um, so I was thinking of just getting my getting my beard trimmer and just shaving the, the sides no, he of can... my head, the sides in the back, and just leaving okay. the top and growing growing some kind Peaky of blind uh, is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like well, if you do it, if you do it yeah. in the time that I publish the the podcast, we'll we'll put the caption alongside the episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm actually thinking the other side, so I think I might actually grow mine. I, I usually try and keep it nice and trim, but uh, now since I'm sort of stuck at home and not not seeing many people, I might just let it grow and see what it looks like. Yeah, I've seen a couple of I've seen a couple of pictures of people 
trimming their their body hair so it links up to their facial really hair. okay that's interesting yeah yeah those ones are okay. a bit bizarre fantastic and uh finally and this one i picked particularly for you joe a russian model is looking for a man to self-isolate with in london you fancy it <laughs> seen the pictures as well and my my i mean joe i might send it on you, you, you're in london and might just want some extra company during this period. All right, I'll keep it in mind, Ryan. Thank you. I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely keep that in mind. Okay, fantastic. On that bombshell, we'll we'll wrap things up. Joel, I've asked you to provide a a song. What's your choice? Yes, Ryan. Um, so as as we're all self isolating mm. at home. I've picked the song with the title of Flower by oh, Moby. Okay. And I would encourage people to go check out what the video is. And I don't know if it's the video, but there's definitely this exercise routine that you actually introduced me to. Um, so the lyrics for this sing- song are ah, Bring okay. Sally Up, Bring Sally Down. And uh, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good exercise routine of mm. uh, push-ups in the house and I've seen it adapted to okay. squats and stuff but actually it's a, it's also quite a cool, cool. song and uh, I've been, been listening it to a couple of times without without doing the push-ups but I think in my mind I just associate it with the push-ups so it, it does uh, like kind of makes me makes me wake up a bit when well there I, when we go any any listener that's listening in maybe try some push-ups as you listen to this song uh, well, it's been a pleasure <laughs> having you on lots of uh, different strands there um, fantastic I'll provide a link to all of the listeners to your to your videos. Um, and thanks again to all the listeners that are still tuning in. Here is Flowers by Moby. Green Sally up, green Sally down. Last gun start, got a tail is brown. Green Sally up, green Sally down. Last gun start, got a tail is brown. Green Sally up, green Sally down. Left me here to weep and moan.